0: Jo Thomas writes funny and sunny bestsellers about food, love and family. Books that wrap their arms around you and give you a great big hug. And her latest release, Countdown to Christmas, is billed as the most uplifting and feel-good romance of Christmas 2023. Welcome to the joys of binge reading. The show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical, and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Hi, I'm your host, Jenny Wheeler, and on Binge Reading Today, Jo talks about her own love for books that take you somewhere else, and her ambition to leave readers with hope and a smile on their faces. Our giveaway this week is a Deck the Halls Book Sweeps bundle of historic holiday romance. Enter the draw for a library of 20 plus historical romances including Tangled Destiny, a New York Christmas novella which is the prequel to my own Of Gold and Blood historical mystery series. The Book Sweeps draw is valued at $250 $250 and includes a new e-reader. The link for entry to the draw can be found in the show notes for this episode on the website, thejoysofbingereading.com. Now do remember, you can support the production costs of the show by buying me a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jenny, J E N N Y, Will, W H E E L, and then a little X like a kiss on the cheek. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget, leave us a review so others will find us too. Word of mouth is still the best form of recommendation for people to hear about the show and great books they will love to read. But that's enough for the housekeeping. As you can probably tell, I've got a real frog in my throat, so I won't keep talking. I'll introduce Joe.
1: Hello there, Joe, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us.
0: Thank you, Jenny. It's great to be here.
1: Look, you stay up front. The sorts of books you like are about food, love, family and fun. You like to have happy endings and then for people who like Sunny and fun
2: Is that how you started writing? Yeah. It is really, yes, because they were the books that I loved to read. And I would read authors like Katie Ford, Jill Mansell, Millie Johnson. I wanted books that would take me to somewhere different, where you felt that you were joining old friends. Like in the evenings, I can remember reading a Jilly Cooper and getting into bed at night and thinking, I'm going to visit old friends down the pub. And... It's a nice place to be. So I want people to feel they care about the characters in my books and that they're with them through adversity and that they leave with hope and a smile on their face. When you start writing, people say, oh, write about what you know. And I thought, I don't know about anything. The only thing I like is food, really. But I'm not a chef. And I'm just someone who's interested in where their food comes from. And, and then I thought, why not write about the thing I'm interested in? And I was in a restaurant in Galway in Ireland and I was there with my husband and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to write about. And I'd ordered some oysters and they put down this platter of oysters in front of me. And just for a moment, it stopped raining for a while. And I looked out of the window and I was looking out over Galway Bay and the moon came and just shone a sort of silvery shadow across the water and the candle was going in the window. And it was like being in someone's front room eating these oysters. And I thought, this is sexy. And once I discovered that the whole background to the oysters in Galway, the, you know, shell-shucking competitions, they're just placing in their culture. I thought, this is what I want to write about. And so that's how it started for me. I thought, just like at home, I'm putting food at the heart of my stories.
1: And it sounds like a number of your books, you've done that very thing. You've gone to a place or a restaurant, and just being drawn into the stories about food, haven't you?
2: Exactly that. After the oysters, my brother was living in southern Italy, in Puglia, and I went over there for the olive harvest. And I went, whoa, I love this. I'm going to write about the olive harvest. And then it just snowballed. And I just realized that I devour cookery books, like people read fiction. I love to read cookery books that take me on a journey. And So it just snowballed from there. And so this latest book is set in Maple Country, all about maple syrup in Canada. Of course, last year, I was right, I was last year, there's so many now. I've done gingerbread in Germany, I've done Iberico ham in Spain, and I've just come back from a wonderful trip to Geneva, which will be on the cards for next year.
1: How wonderful. Yes. Now, this Christmas book that we're going to be talking about is called. Countdown to Christmas, and as you say, it's even in a very small northern forest town in Canada where they depend on their economy for the maple syrup. You've got some wonderful maple syrup and recipes in it as well, and your key character is a baker who has lost the joy of cooking a little bit and because her life's on a bit of a downturn, and she rediscovers that she's got still keeping value when she's visiting the but you've got a great thing set up where you're doing two books a year, one for winter, one for summer. Tell us about how that rhythm got started.
2: I can't remember how it got started, really. When I started writing, when I wrote The Oyster Catcher, I was then also writing a big book and a novella each year. So I've got novellas that just come out as ebooks. And then it's moved on to if you're doing a novella, you know, that you might as well do another big book. And they just seem to be the stories that I wanted to tell. I love the seasons. I love changing seasons. I love now as we're moving into autumn and the leaves are coming off the trees and winter is beckoning in. I love that change of seasons. And I love everything that it brings with it. But just as much, I love the summer. I love the spring rolling into summer. And I live on the West Wales coast. So I live by the sea. And I love the beach in all weathers. I love it in the summer, but I love it just as much in winter with the dogs having a good old yomp along the beach with the wind in our face. So I do love the seasons. And of course, I love the way the kitchen changes with those seasons, whether we're doing light salads and cooking outside. I love cooking outside, but just as much I love hunkering down and doing Sunday lunch and everyone around the table inside. So it's all really a sort of pattern of my life within my kitchen where i'll sit and write books cook meals and the family come and go so yes yeah, so it just became a very natural pattern i've just finished writing now next summer's book and will be returning to provence in france for that which is an area i absolutely love and people who have read my books will know that i wrote escape to the french farmhouse all set in provence and so we're doing a return to Provence, which I'm very excited about.
1: Fabulous. Now count down to Christmas and being filled as the most uplifting and feel good romance what for Christmas and you, maybe free. What do you think makes a good Christmas book? What are readers looking for?
2: Oh, you've got to have all the feels in there. You've got to have all the feels. We do romanticize Christmas. And I quite like the fact that we actually, a lot of people just call it the holidays because whatever you're thinking, it's a nice time to gather with family. So it is about being with ones you love. It is about having all the senses snow, candles, lights. I spent time in Iceland and have written a book in Iceland. And there are so much of the days in dark, but they use candles everywhere. And I can remember staying in this hotel once, and you went down into a sort of semi-cellar for breakfast. And the baking smells drew you in. And when you got down there, the snow was halfway up the windows and candles in every window. And I thought it was the, it was like stepping into a great big hug. And I think that's what we want from A Good Christmas Story. We want to step into that hug. We want it to be a lovely, warm place that makes us feel good. That's the point of the sorts of books that I write and many of my contemporaries. They are feel-good fiction. We want to feel good in them.
1: Hey, listen, you mentioned the great big hug. I must just divert a little bit from the book to ask you about. On your website, you say people say your books are like a great Welsh hug and there's an indecipherable Welsh word that means great big hug. Tell us what that word is and how do you pronounce it?
2: <laughs> that word is "couch." So you have a couch. So a couch is a hug, but it can also mean a warm, cozy little room, like a snug, the couch, And you kooch on in.
1: Oh, great. Oh, that's something I've learned today. <laughs> <laughs> now, your character, Chloe, forgive me if I say, but at the beginning, she's a little bit of a lip rag. I found her just a little bit Irritating because she built her whole life around her son. She's a single mum and he goes off to visit his dad when he's 12 years old. Admittedly, a mum without her son at Christmas. It is difficult, but she's a bit of a, a limp rag at the beginning. What am I going to do? And all she does is fantasize about what Ruben would be doing now. And also looking back on her relationship with Reuben's father and asking herself, could they have made it work? even though she acknowledges over and over again that no, they couldn't and that it's they didn't try. But she does develop during the course of the story and become a lot more interesting and has a bit more going for her as the story develops. And I wondered, a very long question, but do you quite often like to write about midlife women who are making a fresh start in life?
2: Oh, yeah, that's bang on what I like to write about. Uh, Because... I do think we reach crossroads in our lives when we get to midlife, whether it be, should I have had children, looking back. And I think you do get to a point where, could I have gone down a different road? So I didn't want her to be limp, but I did want her to be at a point where I think having spent all those years bringing up her son and they've been through COVID, so it's just been her and him, that suddenly Christmas on her own is quite a big deal. But also what I quite Liked about her is that she is very keen for her son to have a really good relationship with his father. And I do think that we all look back and think, well, oh, what if I'd gone down a different route or whatever? Not that really would have been a possibility. But I, there is an element of that when you sit there and you take time to think. And also, it can often be a time for new beginnings if we're brave enough.
1: She does get the opportunity to take a very big step into an adventure. And that's how she ends up in Northern Canada. And she takes it, doesn't she? She really makes the most of it.
2: She does. And for very good reasons, really. She, it is just her and her son now. She doesn't have any other family. And she is not prepared to just accept a possible inheritance from someone she doesn't know. She needs to know why she didn't know about this person, who they were, what their life was, and to be able to pass that story on to her son. So that should this happen, the reason that they have got themselves into a better situation, it is down to one person who she was related to. And she's not prepared to just take the money and run. She wants to know, firstly, is it for real? And secondly, who was this person and why did he have nobody else to leave his money to? Why is it her? So there are lots of questions and she's full of integrity and really wants to know what the story is so that can be handed on down
1: yeah yeah as we've mentioned food is very important there's a great recipes in the book but i noticed also that you've become an agent for maple syrup during the course of the story how did that happen
2: i don't know that i'm an agent for maple syrup but as i say i always put food at the heart of the story and canada is very close to my heart i honeymooned there and I really wanted to explore maple syrup more. And I use it a lot in cooking. For instance, on a Sunday, big Sunday roast, I'll do parsnips and I'll do them in a bit of butter and oil and seasoning and then drizzle them with maple syrup and toss them in the maple syrup. And so you get lovely caramelizing parsnips to go with the roast or at Christmas time. I'll do a ham, a roast ham and then gore the fat. Rub it with some mustard, put it in some cloves, drizzle it again with maple syrup. Just gives it a lovely sweetness. And because there are four types of maple syrup, you go from light to very dark. You can really decide on the depth of flavor that you want from the maple syrup as well.
1: Fantastic. Actually, funnily enough, I did a roast cauliflower dish for a potluck lunch that I was going to last weekend. It was partly an Ottolengi influenced recipe, but it had maple syrup on the roast cauliflower. It was gorgeous.
2: Oh, I'm thinking of doing roast cauliflower. We're going to have a bit of a writer's Christmas lunch. And I was thinking what to do for the vegetarians. And I was thinking roast cauliflower. So I might look that one up with a drizzle of maple syrup. would be wonderful.
1: It also had a drizzle of pomegranate molasses. Oh, okay.
2: That's very It was very really otolenghi- good.
1: It was good. <laughs> <laughs> very Ottolenghi, yeah. Listen, we know that Christmas book is going to be a winner, but your last summer book was just the wonderful kind of antithesis. It was called Summer at the Ice Cream Cafe. And it was about Beth Becker, who goes back to her home village, the seaside village, and wants to buy a gelato shop. Now, tell us about that one. It's just The total other side of it, isn't it? The summer and the ice cream at the beach.
2: And very much set on my senses of where I live. Walking the beach, the sand between your toes, the smell of the sea. I just love it. The call of the seagulls. And in that book, I very much wanted to talk about It's set in Wales. And in Wales, there are an awful lot of Italian families who came over and settled. And I have Italian heritage. And my mother's family came to London moved to Clarkenwell and became ice cream sellers with hand carts in London. So there was a little bit of wanting to explore my heritage there. And also I wanted to write about a place I love, which is Pembrokeshire in Wales, which is where I live. And again, as we were saying, women in midlife, when you have climbed to the top of the mountain, you've worked hard, but actually get there and say, was this the mountain that I really wanted to climb? And looking out and thinking, should I climb that mountain over there? So Becca hasn't had children. Her marriage has fallen apart. But she decides that she still wants to have family in some way or be a nurturer. And so she decides to foster. And the house that she's always loved comes up for sale. She sells up her business and moves back to her hometown and buys the house. And it's the sort of town where you've got a lot of interesting things at play because you've got second homeowners who will come down from London and they've got lovely homes there. You've got local people who might be working two or three jobs in the hospitality industry because that's the thing that drives the economy there. And you've got a lot of holidaymakers who come and enjoy the beaches in the school holidays. So lots of interesting interactions at play there in a community that maybe isn't as integrated as it should be. And so this was a way of taking a character back to their past. And she has to find her own place in that now, because is she a local? Is she someone moving into the area? So she's finding her own place, coming to terms with her own past, and making a future for herself. And within that, through the gelato and the boys that she fosters, who are not the small children that she expected to take onto the beach and make sandcastles with, they come with their own stories their own issues and they find their way together through gelato to a new beginning
1: it's actually a lovely story tell me christy's book do you find that your readers have particular rituals about christmas books i've been interested in previous years when we talked christmas authors that some people like to right away the book and not open it until a christmas theme and other people yeah. start bringing it reading it on the first of december and those sorts of rituals. Yeah, that's what your
2: readers tell you. Yeah, I get loads of messages like that. Some people are, I'm not going to start until November. I'm not going to start till December, or I'm saving this for Christmas. But I think more and more, and I've seen it more since COVID really, is that people are just diving into Christmas way earlier <laughs> than before and just saying, Do you know what? It brings a bit of joy. It brings lights. It brings gathering with people. It brings fun, and people are embracing Christmas a lot earlier, I think, than they were before COVID, and just taking time to appreciate being at home, being with family, all the ones they love.
1: Actually, that raises another interesting question. that you noticed that these uplifting books have done better since COVID? People are really looking for something to escape. into.
2: I really think people are. I really think that more than ever, with what's going on, uh, in the world, within the country, when times are tough, people want to go somewhere where there is hope. And that's the big thing about feel-good fiction, is that they offer hope, they offer smiles, they offer a fun place to be. And people need that right now.
1: How did you actually get started in writing? Readers always love to know that.
2: I was a radio producer for a national radio station in the UK. I was working away from home, coming home weekends. and. I was at that point of making decisions about my life. We wanted a family and made the decision to move back to Wales. And then we waited quite a long time to have family. And when we did have family, we ended up having three under the age of three. So I was very busy at home with three children under the age of three. But I needed something for myself and I wanted to earn a living too. My husband was out working long hours, and so I started to think about writing and I started by writing for the women's magazine, short stories. I went on a writing course and thought, no, I want to start with short stories. And that took a long time to learn the skills of a good feel good fiction short story. And I can remember the first one I got published was in People's Friend. And then I think it was Take a Break. And I remember standing in the kitchen on a Sunday morning and the editor phoning me saying, we're going to take your story. And I can just thinking, really? They want to publish my story? So I then worked as hard as I could getting short stories going because they provided income. I would be in the car with the children and I would drop one off at school, one off at nursery. The baby would fall asleep in the car. And wherever he fell asleep, I would just pull up, pull out my laptop, write. And and that was almost like someone who goes to the gym and they feel... They might not want to do it when they start doing it, but they come back feeling so much better. And that was my me time. That was when the baby would wake then and I'd close the laptop and off we go. So it was short story writing for me. And then I thought, could I move on to novels? And I joined the Romantic Novelists Association and they have a new writer's scheme. And I, I spent many years learning my craft, going on courses, reading books, working out the stories that I wanted to tell. And I think The Oyster Catcher was possibly my fifth attempt at a novel. And of course, you're at that point of, oh, I'll just give up. And I was asked by a publisher if she could publish it as an e-book only. And I said, no, it's really not good enough. I'll write another one. She said, no, Joe, I want to take this book and publish it. So I said, OK, then I thought no one will see it. So she published it and it rose up the Amazon charts. It went to number two in the Amazon charts. And sat between 12 years a slave and the book thief for many weeks. And at that point, the bigger publishers came in and I went to auction and ended up with a four book deal. So I was a 10 year overnight success.
1: Fantastic. Tell me, do those magazines still exist? If you were starting out today, could you get short story published still in those magazines?
2: Yes. And I still write them for the magazines. Oh, People's friends are still there. And my weekly, whenever I have a new book coming out, I always have a short story in my weekly. And in fact, I'm going to have a lot more coming out in my weekly coming up in the new year because people do love those kind of, you're on the bus or the train, just a quick short fiction. And also my short stories are going into an ebook at the end of November. So people can get a little ebook of short stories, recipes, and stories about why I wrote the short stories in the first place. Yeah, people like those little snatches of feel-good fiction.
1: Fantastic. You've probably already given us the, the answer to those, but if there was one thing that you'd say as a secret of yours that said, what would it
2: be? It's definitely finding your own voice, writing you what you want to read. It's about, yeah, just finding who you are and the stories that you've got to tell. Once I discovered... That the stories I wanted to tell were through food, through travel and through what goes on in my brain when I don't think there's anything going on in my brain. That's when I found me and I found my voice. And the other thing is just to keep going until you yeah. find that voice, find the stories you want to tell.
1: Yeah. Tell us those first, perhaps, war that you wrote before The Oyster Catcher. Were they the same sort of story?
2: No, <laughs> Some of them were just a complete mess, to be honest. But there's one there that I want to still do something with and hope to at some point. There's an idea in there, in amongst all the mess, that I still want to pluck out and use. And in fact, in my first attempt at a story, which will never see the light of day, but when I wrote A Winter Under the Stars and I went away to Swedish Lapland with my friend Katie Ford and we went to visit the reindeer and to meet the Sami people there. But we also went husky racing. We went on a husky trail. The very first start of my first story had started with huskies and wanting to do some kind of a race with the huskies or whatever. So that came back into play at that point. So nothing is ever wasted.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you use used those books to find your voice. Yes. Look, turning to Joe as reader, because we always like to ask what you're reading and what you'd like to recommend to others. What are you reading at the moment? Have you been a binge reader now or in the past?
2: I've just finished reading Gilly Cooper's new book, which comes out in November, all set in the world of football. So that's great. And I've always loved Gilly Cooper's books. So I was delighted to get an early copy of that. I've also, I've just started reading an early copy of Millie Johnson's new book, which is fantastic. So I love to read books, the same sort of books really that I like to write, like Millie, like Katie Ford, like John Mansell, love those. But my other turn to, when I don't know what to read and I'm going to binge read, is Jackie Collins. I love a Jackie Collins book
1: wonderful i didn't know (laughs) jilly was still writing that's fantastic yeah
2: yeah her new one is out in november if you like a jilly it's a fat old book full of all the favorite characters and the animals and everything so that's out in november
1: fantastic looking back down the tunnel of time is there one thing about your creative career you'd change if you could and what would it be
2: I don't think there's anything I would change. I just wish I had the confidence to to do it earlier and to believe in my voice earlier.
1: Why do a lot of people say that?
2: Yeah. And when you get there, it's a very nice feeling.
1: So what's now on your desk for the next 12 months Joe? The next summer one is probably already in the van. What are you working on? Yep.
2: Yep. So next summer is in the can. That is Love in Provence. So, as I say, that's a follow-on from Escape to the French Farmhouse, back to the lavender fields of Provence, which I love. (laughs) So, I really am looking forward to that one coming out. Today is publication day in the UK for Countdown to Christmas. Oh, wow. Uh, We've got lots of lovely things going on today. I will be taking the book out to lunch. And so, that runs up to Christmas. Then we have Love in Provence coming out. That's in the can. And I am writing next winter's book. As I say, I'm just back from Geneva. I've got loads of notes to write up and I've got to dive on in and just get that next book written up for next winter. And then there's the short story collection coming out at the end of November. That's the other thing that's happening.
1: (laughs) Sure. How did you manage during lockdown with doing the research for your story?
2: That is when I wrote my summer at the ice cream cafe. That was really my on book. So I wrote about the place right on my doorstep that I was sitting, staring out at.
1: Very clear, that very clear, So, Do you enjoy interacting with your readers and where can they find you, either in person or online?
2: Oh, I love interacting with readers. So they can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on threads. I'm all over it. But if you really want to join in, uh, on a Friday at five o'clock British time, I go live on Instagram and we chat from my kitchen and I'll be cooking dinner. We bring a glass of wine. We talk about what I'm reading. We talk about what we're cooking. And for about half an hour, I just have a lovely chat for any of the readers that are out there.
1: Wow, oh, that sounds amazing.
2: We call it Bookery Club. It's a cross between books and cookery.
1: That's wonderful. I noticed on your website, that give giveaway, vouchers for food.
2: Roundabout publication. Yeah, my lovely team get together. And they might get some gift vouchers going or they might get a prize going. So if you head over to my website, Joe Thomas Author, you can see what's happening there and any competitions that we have running. Have a look and check in on the, on the website. And you'll see there as well my Twitter feed. So you can join in on that if you want to.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Joe. It's been fantastic talking. It's been lovely
2: talking to you. And thank you for
0: inviting me. Next week on Binge Reading, Lucy Burdett and her best-selling cosy mystery featuring sleuth Hayley Snow, a Key West food critic who mixes her culinary passion with a talent for solving crime. That's next week on Binge Reading. You can support the cost of producing the show by buying me a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, WHEEL, W-H-E-E-L, and then a small x. And remember, also, leave us a review if you enjoy the show so others will find us too. That's it for today. Bye now and happy reading.